feel sorry for these people. They've been here with me for three days and they've got nothing left to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry or they'll faint along the way. So these people have been following Jesus day in, day out. Some of them have been staying with him, leaning in, coming closer, listening for what Jesus has got to say to them. And then at one point in the story, in Matthew 15, it says Jesus looked on the people and he said to his disciples, the people who were with him, his, his special followers, the men and women around him, and he said, the people are hungry. I don't want them to... I don't want them to go away and like faint on their way home. This story is actually told twice. Um, it's in chapter 15, but it's also in chapter 14. So we're getting, we, we've seen this story before. And what I love about this time around is that the disciples, his followers, don't turn around to Jesus and say, well, where on earth are we, you know, we're going to, like, why don't we just send them away to the near, nearby villages and get them to purchase food from the nearby villages? They just cut straight through the whole, it's just not going to happen. They know Jesus isn't going to send them away. And so they say, where on earth are we going to get this much food? You can see the crowd, like imagine that crowd swelling to thousands and thousands of people who've been leaning in and listening to Jesus and they're hungry and they're thirsty and Jesus has great compassion on them. One of the first things I notice is that as a follower of Jesus, the more I walk alongside Jesus in my life, the more I listen in and hear the way Jesus looks at people and the way Jesus looks upon people, the more I'm drawn to compassion as well. It just happens when you walk alongside Jesus, you will be drawn to compassion as well. Uh, that's one of the dangerous things about walking alongside Jesus in your life. Um, our hearts will be opened, our eyes will be opened, and the things that matter to Jesus will begin to matter to us. So that's what's happening in this moment. Jesus is looking upon the people. And the disciples say, where on earth are we going to get that sort of food to feed these people? And Jesus says, you feed them. And the story goes on, and it says that Jesus spoke to them and said, you feed them. And the disciples say, well, look, all we've got is this small, little, meagre amount. I want you to imagine the compassion that Jesus is having on those people and think about the compassion that Jesus would have on people today. Jesus has compassion on individual situations and Jesus has compassion on the great, big, at-large situations that are going on in the world. And I want you to, for a moment as I did when I read this, hear the disciples saying to Jesus, it can't be done. We can't do it. It can't be done. And it must have agonised them because they would get the compassion that Jesus is looking at these people with. And I know that as I look around the world around me and I see the needs... I see the, the small needs, the small everyday needs in the bits and pieces of my life and as my community expands wider and I look at how much need I see and other parents that I travel with or other children that my, friends are, my children are friends with and the, the news when I watch it and I am just overcome with a sense of compassion but I want to say it cannot be done. Where on earth would we get all that food? And I think that Jesus 
says, you feed them, because Jesus loves to put a twist on things. So we say that we can't, the task is too big, the world around us and its needs are way too massive, and we're weighed down by the enormity of it. It can't be done. And I think that if Jesus were here today, he would say, of course not. That's why I'm here. And and I wonder if in this moment when we're looking at the disciples having compassion on the people who are hungry and they say, we don't have enough to feed them all. And Jesus goes, I know, that's why I'm here. Because it is God's job to solve the big problems. But he chooses to partner with us. He chooses to partner with us. So the idea of Jesus actually coming, not just to kind of restate the rules of how the world should roll, but to reinstate the rules of how the world should be so that Jesus comes along and says, actually, I am the king. The kingdom is emerging now in amongst you and this is my work to be done. But he partners with us. So back to the scene with our people and Jesus on the hillside. Uh, He turns to them and he says, how much bread do you have? And they reply, seven loaves and a few small fish. It is meagre and it is totally not enough. It's almost laughable. Why would you even bother answering what you've actually got? It can't be done. It's too enormous. And then watch what Jesus did. He took what they had, the little loaves, a little handful of fish, and I don't think they were like big snappers that Troy might have caught on some river with his fly thing. I don't know, do you catch snapper? I've got no idea. But they, they were probably little, like, it's probably like me pulling out my tin of sardines, right? It would have been like maybe some little dried fish that I brought with me. You know, so it's little, and Jesus takes that little amount and he does a few things with it. So he takes it, he thanked God for it, he broke it, then he gave it to the disciples to distribute to the crowd. So I want you to notice that he took it, he gave thanks for it, he broke it, and he gave it back to them. Well, that's really key, isn't it? And then they distributed it and did something utterly miraculous. So like I said, this happens twice. It's almost like you want to say to the disciples, don't you get it, you've seen him do this before. But they don't. They still have this sense of we, we, we feel like we ought to be able to do it and it can't be done. So I wonder, in the moment if you were there in front of the crowd and Jesus said, what do you have? I wonder what you think of. What would you have found? If I brought my bag up here, which I forgot to bring, but if I brought it up, and I, no, don't, it's probably really scary, Charlie. <laughs> if I rummaged around in it, I can guarantee you there's probably a packet of those little Australia Vegemite shapes in there, because I like to carry a bag of them in there. Uh, Charlie, don't look. There's probably some Mentos. There's a mask. Um, back in the yeah, there it is. Back in the day, there would have been sultanas. Hands up if you remember carrying sultanas in your handbag for your kids, because they got like yeah. Okay, there's a lot of resonance on that. But what do you have with you? You know, what, what have you got? And I wonder if that's worth us thinking about. And if I If I then turned it into metaphor of what else is in my bag, I have a really big table in my dining room. I've got that. And and my kids have a trampoline in the backyard. We've got that. And sometimes the the playgroup kids might be coming on Tuesday and they might bounce on that. What else have I got? Um, I've got 
got 50 bucks in my pocket. That's a big deal. It's not usually in my pocket. It's usually somewhere much safer. But I wonder what you've got. I wonder what you've got. And it might even then not just be like things that fit in your handbag or practical things that you actually have. It might be that you have got time or good advice or skills to run a live stream or the ability to bake cookies because we've got the big biscuit drive. Have you seen how many biscuits are out in the foyer at the moment? We're collecting up the biscuits for the prison fellowship. What have you got? You might have the ability to bake, to cook food and deliver it. In one of my really difficult seasons of life, there was one particular lady who regularly cooked up some food and a little treat, hopped in her car, drove up my driveway and the boys would go, Mum, 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 it's the Uber Eats lady again. And she'd hop out of her car and she'd give me some, and I would say, oh, I don't need anybody to cook for me. But then we'd be like, yes, someone cooked for me. What do you have? What's the thing that you've got? Maybe you've got technical skill. Maybe you've got wisdom. Maybe you've got time. Maybe you've just got a kind smile. Maybe you've got thumbs that can text a text message. What have you got? What have you got? So, he took the loaves and fishes. So, we need to offer what it is that we've got. We need to offer that to God. And then the next thing he did was he thanked God for it. And I've been thinking about this idea of actually recognising that we need to, when we offer whatever it is that we've got to God, that we actually need to join him in thanking God for it because that is God's provision to me in the first place. It's his, why ought I not thank him for it? It's not mine, it never was mine. It might be in my possession for a small amount of time, but I actually need to stop and thank God for it because it's... It's his provision for me in the first place. And then he broke it. I was thinking about this, actually with some of the staff. during. Why did he break it? And one of the staff said, surely it's not just so they could fit it in their mouths. What, like, why did he break it? Like, why is that in there? Because it's not just that they're telling the story. It's exactly the same formula. If you look at the chapter 14, it's he took it, he gave thanks for it, he broke it, it's exactly the same formula. And sometime later, different, probably similar mob of people, similar you know, thing happening, and he does exactly the same things, and he broke it again. Like, couldn't he have just said, thanks God for it, you guys break it up and give it to everybody? He, it actually says he broke it. So here's my moment. Has so anybody, anybody got changed for a 50? Can anybody break a 50? Oh, that wasn't stooged, was it? Thanks. Well, now I can distribute it, right? It needs to be broken. But it's not just that, is it? It's not just that, because we actually know there are a couple of other times when Jesus took bread and broke it. And he did it on purpose. So I think that there's a really practical and something worth plumbing really deeply of why does the thing that we give God have to be broken? Why do, and I would love for someone to go away and think really deeply about that. It actually has to be broken in order for it to be used in this manner. But he's also doing it because he's modelling something that he's going to model again and again. And in fact, later on today, we're going to model it again when we look at um, the Last Supper. Jesus took it 
and he broke it because later when he sits down with his disciples, he's going to pick up some bread and he's going to break it and he's going to say, this is like my body, which is going to be broken for you. And then later, after he's died and come back to life, which is like a whole massive other story in itself, he's walking along a road with two people who haven't figured out who he is. And they're all like, oh, we thought Jesus was going to be amazing and now we're really sad because he's dead and it's really awful. And Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, the back from the dead Jesus, is walking beside them and he's trying to unpack it all with them and explain things and make it all make sense. And at one point, at the end of their walk, they say, why don't you come in and have some food? And it's when he picks up the bread and breaks it, they go, oh, that... And it begins to make sense. So it's not just that it needs to be broken up so that it can be distributed. I think it's that, but I also think he's modelling something huge. Something is going to be broken so that this miraculous thing can occur. What would be really tempting is for me to think, well, I've got my 50 and I've thanked God for it. And Matt broke it for me, which was awesome. Now I can do really great good. Like, and, and all that need that I've been churning over, that I can see in the world, I must, I must do good and really work hard. And, and actually, it doesn't work without Jesus in this. It actually doesn't work. Because we can, we can try, 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 try until we're blue in the face, but it is not going to be anything near the miraculous solution that Jesus can bring. I was thinking about the idea of, you know, in those um, like shows like Survivor or if you go to like a crazy party or whatever and you have the game where there's a full cup here and then there's seven people with empty cups and then there's another cup at the end and you've got to get the water from cup A across to the next person and tip it into the next person and tip it to the next person. It actually depletes along the way. But with Jesus, if we have a close look at this story, it doesn't deplete. In fact, it doesn't even stay consistent. It exponentially multiplies. So when we take what we've got and we offer it to God, we give it to him, and we give thanks to God for it, and we allow it to be broken, whatever that means, he's actually going to do something exponentially enormous with it. But before he does something exponentially enormous with it, he gives it back. And I think, again, that's a really interesting thought in that he doesn't then take it and wander the crowds and distribute it. And at the end of the day, everybody's like, man, Jesus fed every single one of these people with that tiny little amount. No, because he actually wants to partner with us. He didn't say to the disciples, just hold your horses, I'll feed them. He said to the disciples, what have you got? Let me give thanks for it, break it, and then you guys can distribute it. There's an invitation in there for us to participate in this. But my broken 50 bucks has to go through something miraculous in Jesus before it gets multiplied exponentially. You still with me? So what I wonder if we might do, just for a moment, is have a think about what we've got. What's in our pocket? What's in our hand? What's in our bag? 
What's in our life that we might be able to take and offer to be used for some great kingdom good? I've got a video here, so I'm going to hope that this just works when I push play. Have a watch. Sorry. Come on. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. I'd like a bar of chocolate, please. It's for my mum. Change. Happy birthday, Mum. <gasps> Thank you. There's a glass and a half. In everyone. <laughs> it's not about the chocolate. Chocolate does do a lot of good. <laughs> a lot. But there's something really miraculous in the action that we can have when we take what we've got, even if it's three buttons, a plastic ring and a unicorn. Someone just yelled out a unicorn. It just, when we take what we've got, no matter how meagre and small, and you know that moment when she's looking at that plastic ring? Oh, there's a cost. It's cost. When we take what we've got and we offer it and we give thanks for it and it gets broken in some way because actually we, we're separate from it. It's, it's okay. It's, it's not ours anymore. And then he gives it back and he says, go and do something miraculous. And that, that mother, who knows, that she might have actually, something might have deeply shifted in her heart. Don't want to play the chocolate ad too much, but you know, what does Jesus do when we take what we've got? What does he do? in people's hearts? What does he do in people's lives? We've got this theme that we've been thinking about, this idea of cups of water. And what, what does it look like for those people who've chosen to follow Jesus to actually choose what posture we're going to take in our everyday lives and partner with him in the great work that he's doing in this world, the great you know, bringing back to himself, the great reordering the great healing work that he's doing. What does it look like when we actually partner with him with what little op that we've got? What good does he do um, in people's lives? When we take a smile and we give thanks to God for it and he breaks it and he gives it back to us and we offer it to somebody in his name, who knows what that will do in that person's life? Who knows how much deep stitching will go on in a person's heart because of that one smile offered out of what we've got. He'll take a simple shared meal at my table and he'll build deep sense of ownership and community in people's hearts. He'll take a bunch of cookies, cooked, gathered up in a foyer, packaged out, sent, and to some prisoner sitting 
wherever it is that they were when they got it, something deep and meaningful happens in their heart and they say, maybe God has not forgotten me. Because actually, we could, we could never take our cooking skill and turn it into that thing in that guy's heart or that woman's heart. We, we can't do it. It's too big. It's too enormous. But when Jesus takes what we've got, he exponentially multiplies it and turns it into good kingdom things in people's hearts. He'll take my broken 50 and he'll use the tenor to add to Matt's tenor and everybody else's tenor and build a well in a country so that people have got fresh water to drink. He'll take a kind word from someone offered to a young mum who's struggling, who'll go home and be kind to her children and her children will grow up knowing that they're important and valued. We can't manufacture that ourselves. That's miraculous work that Jesus does with what we offer. He'll take a phone call that you make. He'll take a text message that you send because you feel prompted. He'll take an invitation. He'll take a meal. He'll take your money. He'll take whatever it is that you've got to offer, even if it's two buttons, a plastic ring and a unicorn. And he'll turn it into something miraculous if we offer it. And it's not up to us to save the world. That's Jesus' job. So if you're sitting there thinking, I have given everything and I still don't feel like it's enough, then that's okay. You rest. You rest. Because it is God's job to solve the issues of this world. All he wants is willing people to partner with. It's not our burden to care. When we stand beside him, we can share in his compassion but we don't have to take his burden on and carry it ourselves. We just have to partner and offer whatever it is that we've got in our pockets or in our hands. Jesus will take a loaf of bread. He'll thank God for it. He'll break it and he'll place it on a table to be shared among the people who are following him, to move them, to recreate them, and to call them to a life where he is the king and his kingdom has come and his will gets done and we are given our daily bread and when the things we don't hold and, and, and we don't hold things too preciously because we we're reminded last Sunday when Steve spoke not to worry because he provides for us and the week before that, when we were reminded to love our enemies. And the week before that, when we were reminded that everybody matters to God. And the week before that, when we remembered that the kingdom of God is for everyone. Partnering with Jesus in this world to bring about God's kingdom is for everyone. For those who mourn, for those who hunger, for those who thirst. He'll take a simple cup and he'll turn it into something amazing which will change people's lives forever. A kingdom person, so someone who actually says, I'm going to follow Jesus and I'm going to recognise that he is the king of this world. I'm not the king. Other people aren't the king. Jesus is the king. A kingdom person is in the habit of giving over to God whatever it is they have to be used for good. And here's the, here's the, the kicker. 
when Jesus took the bread and broke it, he said, this is my body broken for you. Jesus took all that he had and allowed it to be broken for the good of the kingdom. That's harder. That's really harder to put together. It's one thing for me to say, I will offer my table. I'll offer 10 out of my 50. I can, I can do that and I can trust that he'll do exponentially good things. I can take my time and I can offer it to him and I can go and serve at community meals on a Wednesday night or I can you know, help on the live stream. Whatever it is, I can do that. But, but when he leans in and says the actual implication of this is that you will offer your lives like Jesus did. You'll, you'll give thanks to God for it. He'll break it. And he'll give it back to you and he'll say, now distribute it and, and do good in the world. What does that mean for us? It's one thing to say, I think I've got some things I can offer, but what does it mean to actually choose to offer our whole lives for the sake of the kingdom of God? So 2,000 years ago, Jesus took a loaf. You'll see that. I might need help here. And he broke it. And the people watching were enthralled by this breaking, because he's broken bread before, remember? He's broken bread before. And in fact, we break bread all the time because we do, you know, we do that Passover thing. But Jesus is actually doing something different. He's actually looking at his followers saying, this is my body, which is broken for you. It's going to change everything. And he took the cup and he said, this is a new promise and it's going to change everything. Oh, Where's my other slides gone? My other slides are gone. So he, he took the bread and he broke it. And he took the cup and he said, this is a new promise. And then he gave it to his disciples and they shared. They shared in this moment. And ever since then, those people who've chosen to follow Jesus have been sharing in this. Might call it the Lord's Supper. Might call it communion. Whatever it is we want to call it today. We're actually going to do that. We're going to go to our different sections over here. Around the back, there's tables. And we're going to go and we're going to participate in that thing that Jesus did with his disciples that day. We're going to break off some bread. And I wonder if, if as you break off the bread, you might even say, what, what, what do you want me to give you? What, do you? what do you want me to give thanks for? What do you want me to offer for you to break? What do you... Where do you want me to participate in this kingdom? Maybe as you take the cup, you might actually ask questions like, what would it even mean for me to give you my, the whole of my life, all of the parts in this moment? Because that's what Jesus did. He did this with his disciples and then he went on and he died a death on a cross so that everybody might have a part in this kingdom where he is about doing miraculous things of exponential, um, can't be explained. And he gets to invite us in and we get to partner with him. So as the band comes up, 
I want you to take a moment, and you might even break it again when you sit down. Come back before you eat it. Break it again and say, God, what's, what's the breaking thing? What do you want me to hear? Because I don't think I've fully unpacked all of that. There's something really complicated in that, of actually allowing God to break things so that they can be used for great good. In the hands of Jesus, sorry, let's just go back one, I'll read it again. In the hands of Jesus, a small offering is transformed into a feast that feeds thousands. Let's remember that. <laughs>